They called it a possible threat to world order. They now have to keep printing or we crash. We've got this ticking time bomb. Talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire. Welcome to Live from the Vault. Welcome to Live from the Vault. This is the show that goes beyond the headlines and uncovers the truth about the precious metals industry and the effects on the global economy in these historic times. We have exclusive access to experts and insiders that reveal information and insights that you simply won't find anywhere else. Hi, my name is Shane Moran, and as you can see, I'm out of the vault today, again, on a beach in Costa Rica, and I'll be your host for this week's episode, and we'll be joined shortly by the one and only precious metals expert and whistleblower, Andrew McGuire, as we pull back the curtain on the intricate world of the gold and silver markets and expose what's really going on in the precious metals industry. Get ready for another blockbuster episode of Live from the Vault. We'll bring you the knowledge and the understanding that the mainstream media will not provide. And with that, let's head over to the UK and Talking Gold with Andrew McGuire. Hey, Andrew, let's start off this episode with what you have been watching, I guess, for the last two market, since the last two market uh, updates, even two weeks ago. Um, it looks very much like this paper to physical battle that we continue to talk about here has intensified. What are you What are you seeing there? Yeah, Shane, nice to see you again, my friend, in the sunshine. <laughs> yeah, it's very, look, it's it's really it's very important to dissect what's happened as actually we've been evidencing the extremely thin holiday market trading conditions. Now we've had most trading desks in Europe and the US are on skeleton staffing levels all the way until September the 5th, um, which is directly after Labor, the day, Labor Day holiday. So historically, this level of thin market liquidity, um, where we have very small volumes that can move markets, it's always presented the house an opportunity to spin a self-serving narrative, which for officials intervening in gold versus the dollar and treasuries was time perfectly for the hawkishly spun FOMC minutes last uh, last week. Now, which in reality, these minutes, despite all the paper gold algo gaming that followed, the Fed minutes actually offered nothing new over and above the already factored in Fed data-dependent stance. Now, however, what was of note, though, was Fed Kashkari uh, glossed his glossed over comments ahead of the FOMC last Tuesday, he raised concerns that the pace of the current rate hike cycle could risk once again weighing on the already very fragile regional bank sector. Now, his comments were seemingly ignored by the all is well in la la land mainstream media cheer cheerleaders. But Kashkari, his observations obviously reflect underlying Fed concerns that these regional banks holding 80% of the loans relating to an imploding commercial real estate sector, and for the same reasons they imploded in March, which if you recall, uh, related to unfactored duration risk, could once again trigger another round of bank failures. And it was no coincidence his comments uh, coming in as regional banks fell for a third consecutive week. Now, week. So based on the planted mainstream media narrative, the Fed is most likely hoping to push out dealing with the defaulting uh, CRE sector to 2024. Now, what spurred Kashkari's concerns uh, presents really 
a kind of a triple unfactored whammy, which is totally ignored. First, if you remember, the Fitch US downgrade uh, from AAA to AA, we talked about that three weeks ago. Second, we have the Moody's regional bank downgrades. And third, last week, Fitch warning that the first tier, first tier, too big to fail banks are also on the cusp of being downgraded. Now, we suspect pressure has been put on Fitch to hold off until Jackson Hole is concluded this week, next week. So, or the end of this week, actually. But it's not, look, if this wasn't bad enough, yesterday, and we're recording this on Wednesday, S&P became the latest, latest rating agency to cut the ratings of several U.S. banks, citing exactly, exactly that liquidity concerns related to deposit outflows as these depositors obviously seeking higher rates in money market funds. We've talked about this several times. And the slew of downgrades have sparked renewed fears about the health of the entire commercial banking sector. It is amazing that this is not really front and center news. So this backs up Kashkari's concern that further rate hikes would actually add fuel to a record to these record regional bank deposit outflows, posing further insolvency risks for these regional banks. Almost certainly on the Fed's radar is the accelerating decoupling between money market fund uh, inflows and bank deposit outflows. However, what really threatens to trigger more untimely first and second tier bank downgrades is if the Fed's hawkish mantra escalates or if data-dependent inflationary news, uh, if these beats lead the market to follow the Fed's mantra and bake in a September hike. Now, while a September hike would only be a token 25 basis points, the trouble is, at the margin, the effect this would have on the regionals cannot be ignored. And so we may see the Fed toning down its Jackson Hole spin. Would not be surprised to see that. Now, the bond market began baking in um, this hike directly after FOMC. Uh, the 10 years spiking up to seven-year highs. Um, but if this bond, bond route steepens, it would force Fitch and Moody's to confirm their forewarned first-tier bank downgrades, which would undoubtedly place the Fed's fumbling knife-edge plans on the back foot. The Fed is boxing really, really dangerously here. Now, ironically, these downgrades followed the hawkish FOMC spin, which had spiked the dollar index and bonds higher, and for the reasons we're outlining, risking triggering the, this next leg of the regional bank collapse. Now, the Fed is undoubtedly boxed in, caught between raising rates to fight inflation, but really in turn, risking adding fuel to an already record regional bank deposit outflows, really posing much further insolvency risk for these regional banks. Now, almost certainly on the Fed's radar, as they head into Jackson Hole on Friday, is the accelerated decoupling between money market fund inflows and bank deposits, evidencing the biggest weekly inflow in seven weeks into a new record high of $5.8 trillion. And while money market investors enjoy a 5.5% sugar high, it is at the expense of the commercial bank liquidity. And that's the problem. And the last time yields accelerated higher at this pace, the regional banking crisis was triggered within six weeks. Now, furthermore, 
underscoring this rising risk usage of the um, the usage of the Fed's um, uh, emergency bank lending facility, that's the BTFP, um, that rose by um, 378 million to a new high of over 107 billion. Now, actually, so as to keep this episode focused on as much on gold as possible, our live from the vault guest last week, Robert Keynes, very well outlined how, as he put it, a commercial bank dumpster fire is being sparked in the US. Really good episode. And I think uh, do suggest if you missed it, uh, catching up with that. So as this all relates to gold, from a physical gold demand perspective, what we gleaned from our extensive liquidity provider meetings over the last two weeks is that the, that contra to the paper-driven gold action, the hawkishly spun data-dependent FOMC minutes were interpreted by the global markets, again, for the reasons we're outlining, as the very reason to incentivize further central bank-driven safe haven physical gold buying and on a scale not evident since record central bank buying was recorded in uh, 2022. Now, of course, this unleveraged bullion buying occurs underneath the massively leveraged COMEX-driven casino action, but has once again coiled a very large rebound. Um, this spring is ready to rock and roll. I guess we're we're not kidding when we talk about historic times. Now, Andrew, I know that you are in very close contact to the global first-tier gold wholesale market liquidity providers. Now, can you update us on what's really going on outside of what you refer to as the, the casino? Yeah, Shane, these extremely well-connected global liquidity providers attest to the fact that underneath this smoke and mirrors generated COMEX-driven action that you've been witnessing over the last three to four weeks. That we've evidenced, I mean, we, we, in fact, since the last market update, that really stepped up. What's happening is global central banks have been taking advantage of this led-by-the-nose, speculator-driven paper gold market selling action to fill and take delivery of the very large central bank Physical gold orders that we'd identified were aggregated at the spot gold 1900 level. Now, these dip orders had previously only been touched twice since gold rallied above 1900 at the end of the first quarter. And we saw this gaming. Today, it's it's now um, seems to be capitulating, but this gaming intensified. So let's look at the short-term action with really a focus on the Fed-driven physical-to-paper market disconnect, and it is Fed-driven, uh, reaching really a major inflection point that has once again evidenced the house insiders building long gold positions against the tricked speculators. They're buying gold. And following four weeks, and that's last two episodes, of what liquidity providers have identified as massive Fed gold market interventions, which we drew attention to in our last episode, these interventions utilizing leveraged paper gold COMEX supply. By the end of last week, at best liquidity provider estimate, the dip below 1900 spot gold, spot gold, not futures, on Thursday, um, and once again on Friday, triggered a reported 36 tons of unleveraged central bank demand 
on Thursday and a similar amount reported on Friday. Now, I haven't got this week's final data yet, but central bank buying is huge. And as an example, after spot gold regained 1700 uh, ahead of it was knocked back, but now it's back over again. Uh, after it was, uh, it, it had regained 1900 ahead of yesterday's PM fix. The house chart painted gold. They chart painted gold lower, but looking at the LBMA data, only 3.66 tons had it was exchanged at this 1982.75 um, fix level. Ludicrous. Yet liquidity providers report central bank demand was significantly higher than this. They're continuing to capitalize on the rigged fixes below 1900. Maybe that's over now because they sure as heck were accelerating their buying program. And liquidity providers would be surprised, actually, if insiders could risk any more fixes below uh, this central bank aggregated bid level. As net of what can be settled, really against the muscle memory spec sellers, these outflows are eating into global supply. The equivalence is just that simple. Now, what makes a farce of this COMEX-driven price-setting action is the footprints we have uh, we see leading into the chart-painted London fixes. You just have to look at a chart and look at where the fixes are and see how each time they've been smacked into that fix. And it is that, you know, so really, it, while gold is sub-1900, and it's been deliberately benchmarked at the LBMA fixes, really, usually three to five tons, all but three to five tons of this big central bank bullion demand is actually being secured and sourced in outside. Most of it's being sourced outside the siloed cartel run local London fix, which, as I say, is very limited in supply. Now, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, yesterday's fixed painting exercise evidence just, as I say, 3.6 tons, 6.6 tons exchanged. Whereas liquidity providers reported central bank demand is far, far higher, capitalizing on the net stable funding compliant fixes below 1900. Now, net of what can be settled against these muscle memory specs, it's, as I say, this, this, the effect on global supply is just far larger than anyone realizes. And what most CTAs don't understand uh, and is that they've become the cartel's useful fools, likely because they're forbidden from accessing the net stable funding compliant over-the-counter gold markets. Well, what they miss is that while the LBMA fix sets the global gold price, the liquidity providers providing liquidity to the over-the-counter markets have to be physically backed. And the over-the-counter markets are being picked off by competing central banks. So this is all happening outside of the fix, but set by the fix. And while monetary gold purchased by the global south, central bank, central banks are off grid, uh, meaning no Western central bank monetary gold is even required to be reported. This drain of bullion nevertheless eats into just one singular aggregated source of global supply, physical supply. But even when this published on record, central bank gold purchasing uh, tonnage figures, when they're finally reported next quarter, it will evidence the largest quarterly central bank demand of 2023. And furthermore, 
while 2022 evidenced the largest central bank gold buying since Nixon closed the gold window over 50 years ago, upcoming published 2023 central bank gold demand is estimated to exceed last year's record central central bank gold purchases by at least a factor of two. And if this month is anything to go by, possibly times three, whereas off-record liquidity providers expect multiples of these uh, record central bank purchases. This is a huge drain of physical. So under the smoke and mirrors Fed-driven COMEX intervention action, um, this growing disparity between the gold, uh, the the gold that Fed has been naked short selling, and this is paper gold against whether they've been selling against the dollar, naked because the dollar that offsets the sale of these this gold is just literally borrowed paper gold, uh, and it comprises comprise of nothing but freshly printed fiat backed dollars. So so that's your hedge. And while the infinitely printed dollar side of the trade is cash settled inside the casino, no physical gold ever gets delivered. The only traders not seeing the resulting paper to physical disconnect is is forcing the physical bullion to be delivered outside the casino. And the only ones are the siloed COMEX traders relied upon by the house to dance to their tune. However, it's not so for the unleveraged global market participants who are capitalizing on this disparity. Namely, the outflow of real gold, physical gold bullion that is ultimately underpinning these leveraged naked short gold bets. And this has placed the Fed and I keep repeating this, the only global central bank naked short gold in a position that is even more precarious than when the Bank of International Settlements had used the very same cover of Fed shorting gold. This ill thought through Fed uh, 2022 gold market interventions. So it enabled the Bank of International Settlements to cover all of their remaining short bets. That was back in November 2022. We've looked at this before, but for the record, uh, the the small Bank of International Settlements additions that uh, that we've been recently evidenced uh, are really actually just on the book of the Fed's account. They're, they're much smaller, um, and it's it's certainly not on the books of the Bank of International Settlements or any other central bank. So so really, in summary, fast forward to now, and the sheer scale of these last four weeks of Fed paper market interventions have not been evident since the Fed-driven paper market disparity with global markets in November 2022, when gold bottomed at 1818. So what rhymes this time, despite the Fed efforts uh, with with gold hovering around uh, the fix the, these fixes, and and then they really have done a huge effort to 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 uh, discount gold. We're still seeing the fixes some eighty to a hundred dollars higher than the last time that they capitulated, and and so basically what we're saying structurally, the open interest, which is the available chips underpinning each ounce of gold, has reached a similar point where the relied upon spec wrong footing has reached absolute extremes. And the Fed is once again in a structural position that closely jives with the November 2022 inflection point that triggered a six-month $260 short covering rally into the 2000s. Now, this time, 
obviously it's going to be significantly higher. This is a higher stair step. And other than paper gold, the Fed has no tools to fight a global uh, gold market price reset. Oh, now, Andrew, since uh, Basel III, the NSFR uh, standards raised their gold into a first tier asset class this year, 2023, you've been drawing our attention to how the Fed has woken up to the gold uh, competing with treasuries. Now, as you say, this explains some of the otherwise counterintuitive action uh, that we've evidenced in the safe haven uh, gold. What are you seeing now? Yeah, it sure does, Shane. And, and it still boggles the mind that the Fed could have it so wrong with gold over the last, I mean, over the last 50 years, they just ain't got it. And, and really it was because they were able to leverage it through the COMEX uh, markets, which was what it was designed to do. But it's really wrong-footed them. And as we've explained in prior episodes, we've had two of the very smartest Fed insiders who have attested who, on our interviews, who have both attested that gold was never on the Fed's radar. And uh, this barbarous relic, relic was never discussed. However, as we drew attention to in our last episode, footprints now make it patently clear that the Fed now views Basel III NSFR compliant first tier gold as a competitor to treasuries. And that is why we've been seeing this aggressive move. But the resulting, the, the resulting gold management interventions against the dollar and treasuries expose their Achilles heel to other central banks. And these Fed interventions against gold require the deployment of vast swathes of paper gold supply. And this paper to physical market disconnect has relied on being able to find a sweet spot where they can offset these freshly generated undeliverable gold paper casino warrants, which is all they are, against the so they can deliver them against this siloed group of speculators who are guaranteed to never take delivery or to deliver this bullion. That's the game. We've outlined it multiple times. However, the reason we're drawing attention to this synthetically generated envelope is because it's reached absolute extremes, which just as we expected was only partly evidence in the last deliberately three-day delayed COT report. The, re the, the report, the House, really provides weekly to the speculators. Yes. Now, a Andrew, we, we've had a ton of feedback uh, after the last episode where you predicted that the report had actually failed to show the real extent of the cartel's bullish positioning against the specs. What, what are you seeing now? Yeah, Shane, this is for the traders. Sorry, I'll be brief. Um, but we, we raised this last, it's important and, and really that anyone understands it. Um, but we raised, we raised this last time in response to subscriber questions related to this COT report. And if you remember, we'd assessed that when it, when reported, it would pale in comparison to the weight of evidence where we're off grid and as yet unreported at the time, we'd already identified the impossible to hide wholesale market footprints, evidencing the house insiders, the pit managers were aggressively taking the long side of these tripped in muscle memory speculators. And hey, Presto, it paid out. But once again, by design, the latest deliberately three-day uh, uh, delayed report from last Friday, again from the previous Tuesday, does not capture the much larger speculator capitulations after the report Tuesday cutoff. 
when the spot gold was finally short sold sub the central bank buy orders below 1900 spot. Now, by, by design, this is when the house insiders really up their game, getting along against the speculators. Their footprints are impossible to hide from the wholesale markets. And we know the house is now positioned for significantly higher gold prices. And it's just patently clear that the gold cartel is long, long, long against the extremely wrong-footed specs who are by now not just rinsed of their longs, but are full-blown naked short. There's only one way this is going to end up. The specs, this time rinsed to the upside with the cartel reeling them in. So the unreported scale of this deliberately rigged data is mind-boggling. And we call on you US traders to draw your congressman's attention to this rigged COT report. This is so obviously a tool of the cartel. And the deliberately delayed three-day report is constructed to miss the largest moves of every, every week and designed to wrong-foot uh, speculators while all the, all the long, uh, all along the, the, this data is available to the House insiders at the end of every single trading day. And this provides the House insiders a full week until the next Tuesday to best cover their footprints. Good God, even casinos' roulette wheels are checked by, by regulators. This is unbelievable. It's been going on for years. And bearing in mind, as we once again saw in this last report, aside from missing the, the, the largest moves of the week following spot gold chart painted below this 1900 spot level, it sucked in at least another 30,000 contracts of unreported cartel short covering. Yes, an additional 93 tons. And, and just like the last report, it, we looked at the, the COT report fails to show the, the net stable funding ratio compliant cartel, primarily the swap dealers, are long Basel III compliant physical gold hedging this reported 370 tons that they report of net short interest. So it looks like they're short, 370 tons. They are not. So while the Fed is left holding the bag, every single first-tier bank is long gold for their own books and geared for much, much higher prices. It's important to understand that. Now, given the blinkered, muscle memory-driven, technical and fundamentally deeply oversold conditions in both gold and silver, the overhang of undeliverable naked short open interest chips will ultimately be resolved with a disorderly unwind of this ballooning of these ballooning leverage uh, uh, sold conditions. Once again, driving gold and related silver into into a physically driven rally into the end of the third quarter, and liquidity providers estimate fresh highs into the end of the fourth quarter. Every first tier liquidity providers. What we've just said, the market making insiders who have a footprint in the COMEX and the 10 times larger, larger over the counter compliant delivery markets are long gold for their own books. I just cannot stress this enough. All right. Well, Andrew, you, you had mentioned Jeff, for our silver stacking community out there, you had mentioned uh, that joined at the hip was silver and you said that it was extremely promising. Can you share? Uh, your comments here, please. Yeah, because silver is showing at the hip, as you know, Shane. So, uh, so looking at silver, now we view the same act as footprints um, in silver futures because we look at gold and we look at it's the same act as in silver, and, and and it's the clue. It always provides us the clue to seeing a turnaround 
in the heavily officially intervened gold market, which is much harder to read. And as is always the case, the easier to read smaller silver market, which um, was reported to have bottomed, uh, which we reported had bottomed last Tuesday the 15th, and that was at 22,265, the same actors' footprints in gold are, are following uh, through and following the silver rally. Now, with, with all the silver longs rinsed and any remaining sticky market longs actually hedged, any fresh selling has consisted of naked short supply, which is once again building bubble territory not seen since the March 10th, um, uh, $20 rally from the March the 10th at $20. And it rallies uh, significantly from that level. Similarly, once silver commences its unwind, there's sufficient spec wrong footing for a coiled rally into the 26s without much opposition. And th then it will start to threaten very large short stops sufficient to run silver into the 30s. So as is always the case, momentums in either direction are always wrong at both ends. Silver best evidence is this. And while through the learned behavior, we expect to evidence these blinkered momentums to from time to time continue to take the house bid pulling bait. In other words, they pull, they don't go short. They just pull a few bids because they're market makers and they race in. And what can't be ignored is that the Fed, the only central bank, naked short paper cold is joined at the hip, deeply wrong footed versus these global physically settled versus the globally physically settled gold market. Yeah, no, Andrew, you had a little teaser ahead of the BRIC summit that commences actually today. It starts today. Um, are you in a position to share more about what you're seeing? Yeah, a little. We're going to show some clips from this. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that, um, that what we're seeing today is Kinesis powering gold adoption um, in Indonesia through the enormous post office system. Now, the vice president of Indonesia. This is, I'm going to give you his words because obviously it's important to understand exactly. And there's, there's, there's minutia in here that's very, very important. Now, what he says is it is necessary to strengthen the development of an inclusive and sustainable digital ecosystem and colored by the good values of Sharia. Now, the innovation, POS Pay Gold, as it's called, in the, in the super app application owned by PT POS, has added to the ranks of world-class achievements of nation's children, as well as enriched choices for people who prioritize Sharia principles in investing. Now, I don't think he uses the word children lightly. Now, this is important because we've been working with, um, with Indonesia, Kinesis has been working with Indonesia for a long time. And this has been a long time in coming and has taken many, many levels to get to this point. And I think it's so important to remember at this point what brought this to a head. The necessity of being able to provide services, and he calls them children, but we call them people too. There are millions of people, of Indonesians, who are underbanked and unbanked. And this addresses so much of those issues, as well as allowing them to, uh, to use Sharia-compliant gold. Now, on top of this, um, I think Thomas Coughlin, who is the Kinesis founder, 
Now, I'd like to give you his comments too, because actually it really reflects what all of us believe, because we are thrilled to be a part. Kinesis is thrilled to be a part of this groundbreaking milestone. And partnerships like this realized by POSPAY, gold in Indonesia, will revolutionize the global monetary system and the economy and will enable citizens to have access to trading in gold while being Sharia compliant and having the freedom to realize their everyday financial needs. So I don't take this lightly, and I don't think it is a coincidence that this huge launch here, where we bring gold into a central bank environment, is the first of many, many, many projects that we're looking at at Kinesis. And it brings, and I, as I say, I don't believe there's any coincidence here that this is timed to, with the BRICS launch of uh, discussions of bringing people in, um, 30, 40 new uh, members into the BRICS uh, fold, who all require a similar, very similar, and likely gold-backed, because as we've said before, Glasiev has put together a, pr a project uh, where, which has been agreed by these nations and really has to be gold-backed. Yes, and Andrew, in our last episode, you also had some breaking news, an exclusive update from Sergei Glasiev, uh, personally outlining and identified structures relating to the planned BRICS commodity currency. Um, you know, the BRICS summit is underway uh, right now. W what are you hearing? Yeah, this is exciting stuff. And good God, has the mainstream media tried to push this out. <laughs> um and, and I mean, I, again, I have to say thanks because I wouldn't have had this information uh, uh, had it not been Vadim, Vadim who bringing attention to this Sergei Glaslev outlining as he as he then as as he put it uh, as Glaslev put it the new method of settlement in the international trade between BRICS countries. Now, the mainstream media have been desperately trying to play this down, and we delved into this much deeper in our last episode. But in summary. The new currency unit he outlines creates a sanction-proof mechanism to settle trades between participants, but it's being launched in parallel to existing methods. Now, while this currency ultimately competes with the dollar, the immediate focus is not on undermining the dollar, but running alongside it. Now, the mainstream media just don't get this. As far as their narrative goes, you are either with the dollar or against it. Hence the bearish narrative around the traction the BRICS currency will gain. And as Bloomberg put it on Monday morning, they called it a possible threat to world order. Now, isn't it funny? On Monday morning, I heard that as soon as I switched on Bloomberg. And then since then, they haven't talked about it. And I think they were probably told to, to, to mute that line. Now, what is unreported? is that Russia began trialing physical gold on the trustless blockchain back in January. And the digital gold grams required to power the upcoming gold-backed digital currency is now well-proven and is ready to handle the hundreds of tons required to monetize this currency. Now, subscribers will call Sparebank, uh, recall that Sparebank was sanctioned to begin uh, trialing this digital back um, gold on the Stellar blockchain at the open of January trading. We drew attention to it. And we have reports that this element has become part of the process and is now fully functioning. And as we've just drawn attention to, the proof's in the pudding. And it's no coincidence 
that in spite of weakness in the ruble, Spot Gold consistently trades tick for tick at a two to three dollar premium to Loco London Gold, and the Moscow. A uh, physically settled futures market is matching an average of a $3 premium over December COMEX futures. Interestingly, today, just before the rally, we saw a $30, a $29.50 premium in the Moscow futures versus the December contract, which was smack in the middle between the uh, December contract, sorry, between the um, February contract and the April contract. So a significant, they were clearly significantly betting on higher prices. So why is this happening? Why are they bidding more? Why is the spot market bidding consistently? So as to attract gold sellers seeking a better price than, than they're getting in London. And whilst loading, uh, you know, while these central banks are loading their coffers to back this multipolar new world economic currency, Russia is building they're bullion reserves. It's so clear. And, and this leads into Glavznev's two-stage commodity basket structure, which we did outline in more detail in the last episode. And these two currency baskets have two separate purposes. The first one was is consisting of national currencies, and that was similar to the SDR, and that encompasses a kind of a, a balanced basket weight formation. But the major focus is on the second basket, which is really the key component, and that comprises of 20 of the most liquid commodities from oil to grain, including this gold anchor. Now, the most liquid commodities, including gold, of which Russia produces all of these commodities, um, which in aggregate is going to provide a stable index to benchmark a new world currency, such as would suit the BRICS development bank, all seamlessly settled on the trustless blockchain. Now, the New World Economic Order's settlement currency addresses all important liquidity. This is the one question which the mainstream media underestimates. Bypassing banks and uh, by bypassing banks and, and thereby these sanctions, Glasnev estimates this will attract thousands of brokers to make markets and who we understand from our other contacts in Russia have already expressed this interest. But the key takeaway is that this pricing platform circumvents the current Western commodity pricing monopoly. And to that end, he provided that example, which I thought was a good example of the Ukrainian grain deal imbalance where Western speculator-driven markets were able to buy the grain two times cheaper than they sold it for while Africa was starving. Now, directly following the BRICS Plus summit, the currency and innovation infrastructure meetings move over to Moscow on Monday. And among the BRICS participants, some 30 countries from Asia and the Middle East will attend. So as far as gold and silver is concerned, at the margin, this price setting platform will post serious competition against the COMEX, CME, LBMA monopoly. And the Fed and the Western Global Alliance have, in, have ensnared themselves in around true quadrillion of derivative exposure reliant on keeping control of their unipolar commodity price setting and monopoly. And yet they're not ready for the launch of this Glasnev's gold-backed multipolar new world economic currency. Hence the attempts to push back against it. 
absolute farce to push back against it. It's coming. And while the narrative is that the dollar is king, and indeed it does offer a unit of account and a means of exchange, undoubtedly it does. But it lacks the single most important element, a a store of value. And the PRIX value, uh, the PRIX plus is not focused on destroying the dollar. Okay, It's simply adding a competing gold-backed currency to facilitate settlements of a very large component of the, the currently US dollar-denominated global commodity trade. And however, as far as gold is concerned, due to the current paper market leverage suppressing gold, again, it's all at the margin. This increasing demand for physical gold to ultimately back up this multi-trillion dollar commodity trade, and it is a multi-trillion dollar commodity trade, will increasingly raise the offer price of gold in the global markets and place this wrong-footed Fed further on the back foot. It's time to take advantage of them. Glaziev reports that this currency boilerplate has already been largely agreed by BRICS members, with India and China officially watching from the sidelines. However, our feedback, as we said last time, from our contacts in Russia indicate no opposition and a readiness to participate. And the the BRICS statements made by Z and others uh, and, and Brazil really confirm that they are ready to participate. And by next year, the BRICS conference, which is Russia presiding with that, will likely formally announce these already developed new currency units being launched, but they are functioning. And as we've already identified, this is enabling Indian buyers to circumvent the LBMA ring fence while taking advantage of this gamed global PM fixed prices that benchmark real physical exchanges. So now liquidity providers also report these off-grid settlements bleeding into all these physical exchanges, all benchmarked to the two London COMEX diluted PM fixes. Now, given the consistent spot premium offered by Russia, this lack of Asian market flow through the the rigged LBMA London fixes is misinterpreted as a lack of interest in gold. Whereas these flows, and look at what you read in the media, uh, and by these so-called experts, when, where, where, you know, these flows are actually and will increasingly be facilitated through other channels. It's that simple as they evolve. And first-tier market-making banks will be aware of this, whereas the Fed, again, the only central bank short gold, is once again wrong-footed. Now, is it any wonder every participating central bank except the Fed is openly and surreptitiously accumulating physical gold? We know they are. I hope you know. The only question is, guys, How much physical gold do you own? All right. Thank you, Andrew McGuire, for talking gold. And remember to our Live from the Vault community, buy physical and make sure it's backed one-to-one. And understand the difference between what Andy affectionately calls the casino paper gold and silver markets and the actual physical gold and silver markets. They're not the same. Don't be fooled. And there you have it. That's all we have for you today on another fascinating episode of Live from the Vault. Now, please help us by spreading the word about this channel by hitting that like button if you haven't already done it. Share this information and subscribe. And if you click on that bell right there, we will notify you as each episode goes live. And with that, we'll see you next time right here on Live from the Vault. See you then.